0: Understand how the incidental death benefit requirements limit the amount of life insurance in a qualified plan. Death benefits under a retirement plan must be incidental to the purpose of providing retirement benefits. This rule has implications when life insurance is purchased inside the qualified plan to provide for a significant death benefit. With a defined contribution plan, the amount of contributions used to pay premiums must stay within limits as a percentage of total contributions made to the plan. Now, if term insurance, universal life, or variable life insurance is purchased, the aggregate premium paid for the policy cannot exceed 25% of the total contributions made on the participant's behalf. For example, assume that after five years, total premiums equal $30,000, and total employer contributions made on the participant's behalf have been $125,000 the policy is in compliance with a 25% limit. Now if a whole life policy is used, the limit is higher. Here the aggregate premiums paid for the whole life policy cannot exceed 50% of the participant's total contributions. In a defined benefit plan, the death benefit provided cannot exceed 100 times the expected monthly benefit, or if greater, the reserve for the pension benefit. For example, if the expected monthly benefit is $1,500, then the total death benefit could be as much as $150,000, or the reserve, if greater. One interesting planning opportunity is that profit-sharing plans are entirely exempt from the incidental requirement as long as the plan allows for in-service withdrawals. This means that the entire account balance can be used to purchase life insurance. However, the exception does not apply to a salary deferral account in a 401k plan. Now having life insurance in a qualified plan does mean that the participant will have taxable income each year. The amount that has to be included is based on the participant's age, the death benefit provided, and the rate from the IRS Table 2001. For example, let's say Joe, a 55-year-old participant in a money purchase pension plan, has a life insurance policy with a death benefit of $250,000. The Table 2001 rate for a person age 55 is $4.15 for each $1,000 of coverage. Multiply $4.15 times 250 since Joe has $250,000 of coverage, and the amount of Joe's taxable income is $1,037.50. Since the participant does pay taxes each year, these Table 2001 amounts are considered cost basis, and they are generally recovered tax-free at the time of distribution. For example, let's say a participant retires and the life insurance policy is distributed as part of the benefit. If the policy has a cash value of $50,000 and $7,500 of accumulated Table 2001 amounts, only $42,500 will be taxed. Now, the tax treatment of a death benefit from a qualified plan is a bit more complicated. Now, let's say a plan distributes a death benefit of $200,000 with a 25 from a policy with a $25,000 of cash value and $5,000 of table 2001 amounts. When life insurance is purchased outside of a plan, the entire death benefit is tax-free, in part because it's purchased with after-tax dollars. But inside a plan, the pure death benefit portion of the premium is taxed each year, but the investment portion is not. So when a death benefit is paid, the $25,000 cash value, in this case, is taxed and the rest of the death benefit, in this case $175,000, is tax-free. Now, however, since the beneficiary can still recover the $5,000 table 2001 amounts, the beneficiary only pays tax on $20,000 and $180,000 is tax-free. Now, there's one important caveat about recovering table 2001 amounts. The law does not allow self-employed persons or S corporation owners to recover these amounts. So for these individuals, the amounts are actually taxed twice.